Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. Want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I'm Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters 76 and 77. In chapter 76, Baz ends up going alone to confront the numpties that kidnapped him because Simon and Penny are on their hero shit. And his fam is all cut up in being sort of homeless. Baz finds out the numpties had been bribed by the fucking mage to take Baz and keep him out of the way. The numpties nearly kill Baz, but Nico has arrived just in time to save the day and finally give us the information we've been missing. Mainly that the fucking mage told the vampires to attack Watford in exchange for living in London without interference. The mage came to Nico to broker the deal, but Nico didn't take it. He didn't tell Baz initially because, duh, he would have been killed, but all bets are off now that the fucking mage has Eb. Penny has somehow managed to spell some poor dude's dog to tell Baz that Simon's gone against the mage alone, and no fucking way is Baz letting that happen. Nico is determined to come with Baz, but, but Baz is not having it. Sorry, Nico. Chapter 77, Agatha. Agatha gets filled in on the events of the past couple chapters by her mom, Thea, Miss Lee Bunce, finding out that Penny and Simon are off doing dangerous hero shit. After some internal debating, this is why you should always leave a note, everyone, Agatha decides to go off and find her friends. Yep. Couple things before we get into it. One, thank you to our new reviewers, uh, Sea Turtle Bromance. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Right? And Sydney the Sinner, to whom I want to say... Because you wrote in your review that you're worried that you're annoying when you send us emails. You're not annoying when you send us emails. Your emails are lovely. So a little reassurance for you. We, we, love, we love the fan mail. Don't worry. We sure do. Um, and then two more things. One, if you're a patron of ours, I just want to remind you that the deadline for submitting your questions for our ADHD Q&A episode is tomorrow, September 15th. So make sure if you have any of those questions, you submit them. And because someone wrote to ask if there was a part two of our gender and sexuality Q&A episode, but forgot to include a return email, so I can't tell them the answer is yes, I'm telling you here on the podcast, yes, there is a part (laughs) two of the gender and sexuality Q&A. It's up on Patreon. It's open to the public. I will put the link in the show notes again. uh, You don't have to be a patron to listen to it. Last thing, transcriptions. Do you want to talk about transcriptions? Yeah, we have a new way for folks to help us out in our quest to have all of the episodes of the show transcribed, in which a lovely listener ran all of the episodes of the show through a transcription software. And now we have some texts that need uh, some cleaning up because that software is uh, not very accurate. So if you want access to some of our exclusive Patreon stuff, or just want to help us out out of the goodness of your heart, you can go to our website, 
hashtag ruthless.com slash transcriptions. And if you have some time, you can do that. And in exchange, you can have some of the cool things that we offer on Patreon. You could listen to the aforementioned ADHD Q&A episode that we will be releasing in October, for example, among many other things. All right, that's all the things. Oh, so... actually, sorry, one more thing. Uh, listeners, I have a very uh, high-energy foster cat in the recording studio with me, so if you hear some weird sounds or some weird chirps, that is my foster cat being the most hype. And with that, we will enter... Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. We start this chapter off, uh, Baz's chapter, with this just excellent quote from Fiona <laughs> that I love so much when after she rescues Baz, which is how Baz is able to find the numpties, where she's like, Christ, what a mess, and right under Blackfire's bridge, the city has gone straight to hell. <laughs> This is when her beloved nephew, who has been missing for like, what was it, like a, like two months or Six something? Six weeks, yeah. Right. It's so um, unacknowledging, I'm sure there's a better word for this, of the severity of the situation. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, once again, what a great, what a great <laughs> character Fiona pitches. Yep. <laughs> she really is. <sighs> Um, I think that I've said this before, but I imagine that Numpties are the Gorons from Zelda, and it really makes me like them because Gorons are, like, very cute, but, I mean, creatures made of rock that eat rocks, that's what a Goron is, and they do the, like, unfolding thing from boulder to vaguely person-shaped that the Numpties do, so... I think this scene is supposed to be more horrifying than I imagine it, but I just imagine it as being Gorons, and I'm like, that's a little cuddly, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even, even like, comparing them to, like, Transformers, it's like, oh, they're, like, funny little rock creatures. Yeah. Also, one of them is wearing a sweater. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just really hard. I know this is, like, actually, you know, this could have ended very differently. But one of them is wearing a sweater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so cold. <laughs> uh, uh, my last thing is it's just so Agatha's mom gets this, I'm sure, frantic and detailed call from Mitley Bunce about Simon and Penny and, and like this shit with the pitches. And she's like, Are you and Simon still together? And I'm like, Priorities, ma'am. <laughs> Oh my god, she's the worst. I have so much to say about her. (laughs) I feel like... I don't know. I think maybe it was the fact that her mom says tickety-boo, which I feel like is the only thing I've heard in BBC shows. No, you can't. You can't. You can't play with that. You cannot play with that. Why are you like this? But... I just had a like image of like Agatha's mom being like one of the ladies from Absolutely Fabulous, who is also incredibly mean to her daughter, <laughs> who is just nice and nerdy, and that is the only that's like the 
that's like her mom's like whole problem with her i'm just like what why do you have to be like this yeah um she just it's i mean right priorities 100 percent. but also the fact that she like hasn't figured out that they broke up i get agatha's not being super forthcoming about it but also Mm. it's pretty clear that they're not together and her mom is just off somewhere else just having whatever thoughts she has which are from everything we see shitty thoughts yeah no real shitty agatha's worried that her mom's gonna be upset about her quote-unquote ruined prospects because she broke up with simon i'm like oh my god you are 17 years old 18 somewhere in there too young to be thinking about prospects yeah yeah just be glad your child briefly was not running off headfirst into danger (laughs) right yeah and then the other thing that i had about her is the the whole she comes in she's like there was an attack and she's like they attacked the pitches and then is like it's such a shame it was the grandest estate in magic you're like what the hell is wrong with you lady like really that's where your head goes first is like i don't know it feels like people being all upset about fucking notre dame being on fire when like so many more important things were were there to be upset about in the world right or it's like oh no like all of this terrible natural disaster happened and all these beautiful works of architecture have been destroyed and it's like but people's lives can right? we can we focus on like the real shit yeah yeah magic was taken from almost an entire county and you're just like oh the pitch estate that's so terrible their house was so nice <laughs> oh my god she's just a nightmare yeah truly all right my only other thing here is did it feel weird to you that the mage just told the numpties to give baz blood which indicates that the mage doesn't know that baz needs food i mean maybe not totally shocking i guess since like i don't know vampires maybe aren't his specialty maybe he had no idea that vampires needed other i mean i mean he maybe just did, he maybe wasn't necessarily like sitting around to chat with these other vampires when he was like you should go attack the school so maybe yeah i think he just honestly has no idea that's wild to me if you're gonna kidnap somebody and you don't want them to be accidentally killed you should definitely do the research to find out what they need to survive before you have them kidnapped I mean, I guess this does kind of go back to how, like, even in the pitch, you know, it seemed like there didn't seem to be much knowledge in the magical world about vampires, really, besides how to kill them. True. But the mage has all these vampires he has access to because he granted them sanctuary or whatever. Yeah, but, like, as grunts, essentially. As, like, hired thugs. Still, enough to be like, hey, do you need food or just blood? That's true. I'm planning on keeping a vampire captive. I need some intel. Yeah, weird. I don't know. I see a little silhouette of a man. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. Let's start with Nico. Okay. 
And maybe the question is for another section, but like, how the fuck did Nico find bats? <laughs> hmm. That's a really good question. And maybe also a little bit why, but I guess part of that is that Baz is going to Watford and has a be- probably a better sense than Nico does of whatever the fuck the internal magical politics are ha- that are happening. I mean, as of shit, the timing, this is Christmas Day. So as of what, two days ago, mm-hmm. Baz and Simon are the only Watford students that Nico knows. Yeah. Um, I guess right now I'm imagining him tracking Baz down by smell, like vampires and Buffy do. Yeah. This would make sense, because Fiona is clearly not in London. She is with the rest of the Grim Pitches, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on and what to do next. Or, I don't know, maybe at their war council being like, we should just kill the fucking mage and all these motherfuckers and kill Simon and just kill all of them. <laughs> Which is sort of how I imagine that would go with Fiona, honestly. Yeah, the rest of the pitches are like, Fiona, sit down. We can't just kill everyone. That's not a plan. <laughs> it's a plan if it's a plan it's a plan if it works. Anyway. <laughs> right. <sighs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I just want to, I really love Nico a lot. Yeah, so one of the things that I really noticed about Nico is that he, how long has he had his wand broken? Since he was like 18? 18, 19? So it's been a while, a long while, probably at least like 15 years. Yeah. Um, So he hasn't been able to do spells for 15 years. And his spell work is the most creative that we've seen from anyone this whole book. Yeah, actually, I do have a little bit of that also in Is Just This Fantasy. Because, yeah, it yeah. is very, yeah. And even Baz is like, what the fuck? This, these things shouldn't work. And it's like, shut up. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it, it really shows, you know, Baz and Penny are very by the book you know they're like i learned the thing and i learned it better than anybody and i can do it mm-hmm. and nico and ebb and we'll see ebb's fighting like you know creative spell use in a little bit they both are much more creative and not not so worried about should this work or you know what's the right spell to use in this situation they're just like i thought of a thing i'm gonna do the thing and fucking Paper Beats Rock to meet, beat a numpty is incredible. Which, right, we'll talk about it in Is This Just Fantasy. But yeah, it just really made me really like Nico's brain, I guess. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It really just kind of goes to show that if things had been different with like him and Eb, they really could have been, they could have been in the position that the mage is in, but like, they don't fucking care about that, you know? Yeah. And like, yeah, and they're especially, yeah, and they're not limited by the idea of like, oh, this should work. It's like, I'm powerful enough. It's fucking going to work. Yeah. And I mean, even he doesn't doubt that his spell will work, even if it's Baz casting it. He just, you know, I feel like he has a very Fred and George way of. Like out of the box kind of. Yeah. 
He's like, I don't need to have tested this first to know that it will work. It makes intuitive sense to me that it's going to work. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you have about him? I guess just that I find that... So, like, you know, like, this is the turn where he goes from being sort of neutral to kind of being... I'm throwing... Like, I'm throwing my lot in with the White Hats because, like, my sister is involved and it was the mage the whole time. I just, like, didn't say anything because, like, I didn't want to die. But now I'm like, I don't fucking care about that. Right. You know? And, like, he didn't take the deal with the mage. And though you, and even though it's still, like, not morally great to have never told anyone this, you know? He's telling Baz, who, which is kind of, like, honestly, maybe the most important person to be having this information to know that, like, it was the mage the whole time. And he did tell Natasha. Yeah, even though she didn't, I mean, understandably, didn't believe him. So, I mean, understandable is that, like, the way that vampires are treated in this medical community is, like, she's not going to believe a thing about this vampire. Being, like, vampires getting to Watford, <laughs> like, are you kidding? Yeah. And if he, t- I mean, he told her she died, the mage took power. Who is he, who is he going to tell at that point, you know? Yeah, who's going to believe him? Who would even talk to him? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that I think is related to my last thing about him, which is, and I think we talked about this in the last episode that he was mentioned in too, just the amount that he loves Eb is really, really touching. He's like, he would have killed me, but that doesn't matter anymore because they, he took Eb. Like, yeah, I, I gotta go. I gotta get her back. You gotta help me. That's, that's what mm. matters. Yeah. Which is like an admirable quality. Yeah. Which is why I do kind of feel a little bad that Bez is like, oh, you're not coming with me. Sorry. It's like, could things have been different if he had? I don't know. But it's like, I think an adult, even if this adult is a like sort of dirtbag vampire, maybe it would have been all right. Yeah. In this dangerous situation. I agree. (laughs) So I understand what your trauma response is telling you. You'd be like, hell no. But... (sighs) Yeah, that's actually something that I had in Caught in a Landslide. I don't think I've ever been more in disagreement with Baz about something than I am about his refusal to take Nico. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like an understandable response of Baz, but I'm like, oh, bro, this is still the incorrect response. Yeah. He literally just saved your life with two spells that should not have worked. If nothing else, that seems like a valuable alley to have against the fucking mage yeah and i also i mean i don't even know if it's a trauma response so much as a i don't know self-loathing response i don't i don't think i totally get it because right nico just saved his life and nico's intentions for going to watford are i need to save my sister and if anyone knows about avenging a family member (laughs) against the mage it's baz right now so I just was like, this seems weird. I know that for plot purposes, he can't take Nico with him because they they would have won. Eb wouldn't have died if Nico had been there. I am pretty positive. That makes sense. Which also just makes me so sad. I know. Can we sort of piggyback off of the Baz trauma stuff to talk about Baz for a second? Yeah, of course. Um. So we see him fully re-traumatized from his kidnapping he has the biggest capricorn energy 
about <laughs> what he is going through. He, for real, I've no like, he is just like, rationalize it, compartmentalize it. Come on, Baz. Like, as long as we can think about it, we don't need to feel it, you know? He's like, I'm afraid, but that's reasonable. You try going back to where you were kidnapped. Of course I'm afraid. And because I'm aware of that, that means I can continue doing the thing without breaking down. And I'm like, all right, buddy. With your <laughs> fucking earth sign energy just everywhere. Okay. <laughs> if you say so. It is pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. I'm like, you'll have to deal with this at some point. But for right now, it is serving you. Yeah. I don't know at what point he will deal with this, but. That's the thing about compartmentalizing, y'all, especially Capricorns out there. It's very helpful in the moment, but like those boxes are still in there. <laughs> At some point, you're going to have to come face to face with what's inside of them. I feel like in my experience, it's always like they just sort of open in ways that you're not really sure. And you're like, okay, why am I crying about this random thing that makes zero sense? It's like, oh. Yep. Um... I think the only other thing that, I mean, obviously his whole trauma response is very real feeling, but the part that really got me is the way that Simon's refusal to go with him to deal with the numpties is affecting him. And he's also trying to rationalize that. And he's like, it's all right. It's all right. I always knew where I stood with Simon, you know, below everyone else. And you're like, baby, no, that's A, not true. And B, if you think that's true, you don't feel okay about it. You can't just be yeah. like, that's fine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not a not a good place to be, especially when their relationship is so new. Mm-hmm. Literally hours new. Yep. Essentially. It's rough. Yeah, this is a rough chapter for Beth. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Agatha? Yeah. I guess I just have one thing for Agatha, which is just like... I mean, her, basically her entire chapter is just, like, internal debate about, should I fucking leave the house or not? And I just, I don't know. She just, like, she just feels, like, obligated when she's, like, not, like, she's, like, I'm not involved in this, but I still feel obligated to do this thing that I don't want to do. Yep. And I'm like, I understand. I get it. And I'm also like, you don't have to, my baby. I know. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like my note is basically exactly, exactly that. She says, even when I'm not involved with their drama, I'm still involved. I still have to play my part. I know. Which, yeah, I totally get it. Because it's like, this is what she's done for the last bunch of years of her life. What is sitting it out when she knows what kind of danger they're in must feel so weird and like callous, you know? Yeah. And I mean, because Agatha is a, like, good, empathetic person, she's like, oh, fuck, I can't leave these self-sacrificing assholes to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and to be fair, she says, and this is the part where I always scream for help, and what she thinks she's doing is getting in the car and going to find the mage and being like, hey, Simon and Penny are in over their heads and I think that they need your help. Yeah. In no way does she think she's walking into the fight. Yeah. She thinks that's true. she's going to get an adult, you know, mm-hmm. tag someone else in so that she can go home and not feel guilty. Right. Which is a good instinct. It's just 
the wrong adult. Yeah. She should have gone and got Nico. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yes. <laughs> Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. I may really just have one thing. Okay, me too. Which is our confirmation that the mage orchestrated a domestic terror attack in the world of mages to make himself look better and to gain power, which is hilariously, terribly topical. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like... Jesus yep. Christ. <laughs> 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 yep. He's the fucking worst. He is. Yeah, the only thing I had be- besides that was um, I wanted to ask you because Nico says that he doesn't think that the mage meant for Natasha to die. And I wanted to ask if you think that that's true. Interesting. I don't know. I think what I could see is maybe his ambivalence about it and the sort of assumption that Natasha Grimpich being a powerful mage in her own right would be like, if he was concerned, which he probably wasn't like especially like, don't, don't let anyone die. He'd probably be like, take care of herself, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. but maybe he did. Maybe he was like, go fucking kill her. I think, I think we've established earlier that, he obviously told them to turn Baz because Baz is the only person that gets turned. Mm-hmm. So that makes the question, if he wasn't expecting Natasha to show up and he didn't mean for her to die, why have Baz turned? What Was that a way that he thought he was going to get her out of the way or just a way to emotionally fuck her up because apparently she would have killed Baz once she knew that he'd been turned. I mean, possibly. I mean, it is... I would say that, like, since the mage would have to be aware that, like, Natasha and really the rest of the pitches are, like, sort of his biggest obstacle to the level of power that he wants, that, like, dealing them some kind of crippling blow would be one of his major goals mm-hmm. and you know if it was Baz gets turned Baz gets murdered by the vampires and Tasha gets murdered by the vampires they're both murdered by the vampires like regardless he's he's already removed the like the most powerful piece in the chessboard as mm-hmm. it were and I think the kind of the details of it at that point don't particularly matter I guess because regardless whatever whatever the outcome it would have been the same as what happens is that it, it wouldn't be like the Grim Pitches would have put up any kind of fight in the midst of their, like, grief. Right. Of whatever would have happened. That makes sense. Caught in a landslide. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Uh, the way that the Numpties move freaks me the fuck out it makes me feel so claustrophobic and terrible like baz can't tell that they're moving until they're already so close that he's unsafe it's very weeping angels it is except they're like you blink and they're closer these he's watching and can't tell that they're getting closer 
The Weeping Angels is more jump scary. I think this is more unsettling almost. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, very like psychological horror y. Yeah. I feel like it unnerves me the same way that I feel the same way in my body as I feel about like the Thistle Men from Alice Isn't Dead. Yeah. Also very horrifying. Yeah. It's just this like creepy crawly inside, like no 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 kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very effective. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh yeah. What do you have? Just Baz straight up stealing someone's dog and made them forget that they had a dog, were walking a dog. It was very confusing, but whatever it is, it is very terrible. I know, it's so awful. <laughs> oh yeah, it's really terrible. Yeah, and part of me's and part of me's also like, what the fuck spell is it supposed to be? The possession spell that Penny has done? Yeah. I don't know if we find out ever, actually. I don't think we do. But it's very like, because she's just like, oh, I had no idea what was going on. And you're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we know that she's done it before. She possessed like a shop owner to talk to Simon over the summer when he wasn't supposed to be talking to anyone. Yeah, maybe she assumed that she was going to be talking to Baz via a person. And I'm sure she did. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> not via a dog. <laughs> A lot has a lot has a lot has happened really this past this past like twenty four hours for her so I guess <laughs> but still it's so fucked up yeah no everybody's everybody's playing really fast and loose with the uh, other people's brains morality here yeah yeah all right my last thing here is again Agatha's relationship with her idea of Lucy is one of the most heartbreaking things about this book. And this part at the end of Agatha's chapter where she's assessing what she's going to do, and she says, what would brave, bold Lucy Salisbury do? Hottail it to California like a rational human being, apparently. You're just like... And we're like, if only (laughs) she did! Exactly. Oh, it's so terrible. I mean, I guess, I don't know. It is, it is like, very sad because, I mean, everything about Lucy is very sad. But, I don't know. I think, I mean, it is sort of part of what saves Agatha. Definitely at the end of this book. Definitely. I'm glad that she has this idea of Lucy. It just hurts for us, the reader. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we would have loved to have gotten this version of Lucy. Mm-hmm. Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we talk about ways that you can support this podcast. And this episode, we have a big new merch announcement because we have a bunch of new merch and it's really exciting and a lot of it is Escape from Reality themed. So we're going to tell you about it. So things that we have include Escape from Reality t-shirts and stickers also, we have a Merwolf shirt and Kiss Kill Improvise shirts and tote bags. They're very cool. Yeah, you should you, you should all you should all totally go look at them and then realize how much you need them. 
and go purchase them. Yeah. Um, and then in not Escape from Reality merch news, we have a wonderful mug that I'm going to ask Jesse to tell you about. So I don't actually remember the context of what we were talking about, but I made a comment that the Confederacy of the Confederate flag fame uh, only lasted about four years. So I, I said that my vegetarian phase lasted longer than the Confederacy. And now we have some cool mugs. For all of those folks who are maybe like me and an idealistic vegetarian for several years, maybe you're not, maybe you still are, but I think we can all agree that a lot of us (laughs) had vegetarian phases that lasted longer than the Confederacy. Yep. It's a really spectacular quote (laughs) that was just built to be on a mug and now you can have it. Um, And then lastly, we have a throw pillow that says, throw your parents into the sun, which is something that I said once in a context I don't remember, but someone was like, please, merch. And I was like, yes. So now you can have that too. That might have been one of the Q&A episodes. I think it might have been our interview with Anna Mariano. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't a, I don't feel like it wasn't a chapter episode. Doesn't really matter. It's always relevant. Truly. <laughs> all right. So anyway, you can find all of that on our website, hashtag ruthless.com. Click on shop. It's all right there for you. And you definitely should. In terms of why this is here in the I'm just a poor boy section, merch is a really great way to support our podcast and get cool things in exchange. It is one of our main ways of making money As you may or may not know, this podcast, podcasting, making these podcasts is my only job. So your merch directly funds me having employment. It's great. So thank you and enjoy. Welcome to... Send shivers down my spine where we talk about sexy stuff. Did you find any sexy stuff? I did, really. Great. I add one thing, one thing, which is I just want to bring up that I feel like Nico is wearing a very Spike-like outfit. And when Baz is like, oh, I see what my Aunt Fiona sees in him. And it's like, yeah. (laughs) She likes the uh, alternative punk look. Yep. You're like, I see it too. Yep. <laughs> to- totally here for that. So. That was also the one sexy thing I found was Nico. Um, I was very into when Baz was like, did you just put them to sleep with the Guardian? And Nico says, I did. Why didn't you? And you're like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Confidence. It's hot. It sure is. And now I have for you a Kiss Kill Improvise. All right. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. We've been, I mean, there's only like eight characters in this book, so we've been having a lot of repeats. So I tried to get creative. I hope that you're ready. I am. I am ready. I am ready. (laughs) Cool. So your options are the king of the numpties. Okay. The normal that's walking the dog. (laughs) And Penny... As a dog. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, I'm gonna throw. All right, okay. So, number one is that I'm obviously going to kiss this dog because I have never met a dog that I have not wanted to kiss. Okay. Uh, I am going to kill the king of the numpties because it seems like a pretty odd, good good odds that the king of the numpties would try to kill me, and I would really rather not be crushed under rocks. That sounds horrible for someone who has extreme claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to improvise with this poor dude who now does not have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> because he really gets the short end of the stick yeah. <laughs> in this chapter. <laughs> Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. You want to talk about spells first? Okay, so we get a couple, we get three spells in this in these two chapters, two of which Bass has never heard of. So is I mean I think I kind of want to talk about that. So we get we get Paper Beats Rock to kill, subdue the numpties. I think it just knocks them out. Yeah, and. I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to imagine a situation where you would use that outside of this. Mm-hmm. It feels a little bit like the ridiculous spell in Harry Potter where it like is only seen to be used on like Bogarts, mm-hmm. you know, where you're like, where, where, where else would you even use this spell at except for like this very specific situation? I think Nico made it up in the moment. I think. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just... Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like. Rock, paper, scissors. Got it. Yeah. We're, do- we're doing this. It's happening. Though I will say, I have like a, for no reason, homemade like retaining wall made of broken concrete blocks in my backyard that I'm about to have to like get out with a pry bar before I can turn it into a garden. Paper beats rock could actually be very convenient to just break that down into manageable pieces without having to use a pry bar. I would love to just be out there with a fucking newspaper, like, whap, whap, whap. That is so true. <laughs> or if you're trying to, like, get through, like, a stone or a rock wall or building. Yep. But, yeah, again, I don't think this is actually a formal spell that is taught at Wofford. No, definitely just... not. Yeah. And so the other spell that we get from Nico, which is have a break, have a Kit Kat, <laughs> uh, which must have been the commercials for Kit Kats in the UK because it was had... here too. I thought the break me up a piece of that Kit Kat bar was here. Huh. You're right. But then I'm like, why was that so familiar to me? We're both going on. Maybe, or maybe it was like for when we were younger, which would also not surprise me. Do you? Do you want to look that up? It's probably not important. That's fine. Yeah, I guess it's not important. The important thing is this is a jingle, which, right. from what we know of magic from our resident nerds, Baz and Penny, shouldn't shouldn't have worked. Right. But it does. And so I just, like, had a couple of thoughts about maybe why. I mean, like, so we talked about earlier that maybe just, like, Nico has sort of helped will this into existence, even with his, like, sort of Latin magical ability. But, I mean, maybe it's kind of like, I just have, like, street magic, but sort of, like, hedge witch magic, like, unofficial magic that, like, you're not taught in school because it's not part of academia, but it works and people use it, you know, kind of, kind of deal. 
Yeah, I mean, my feeling about it is that Nico understands magic by not, like, in a way that's deeper than a scholarly understanding because he doesn't care about the scholarly understanding. Mm -hmm. It's like people who just know how to cook really well, who have never, you know, learned why the flavors go together the way that they do. And so like a professional chef would be like, you don't know what you're doing. And someone like me, who's like, yeah, I I don't, but I just can like taste this dish and be like, there's something missing in the front of my mouth. And that means that I need to add fill in the blank here. Right. I feel like, yeah, Nico just gets it he's like this is how magic works therefore this thing is said a lot no one has to make a spell be a spell it just has to be in the the ether yeah in the, in the lexicon as it were. right yeah exactly so as long as you can find it you can use it yeah i know it's so interesting especially with the like have a brick have a kit kat where like nico is sort of like holding on to baz and obviously there isn't the same kind of like magical sexy magic transfer that Baz and Simon have been doing this book but it does I don't know at least for me bring up the question is like is Nico also still sort of casting it through Baz is it because they're both like vampire mages it's like I don't know I didn't think about that that the touch might be related to the success of the spell I guess my thought was that Baz knows this phrase And so even if he doesn't think it will work, he automatically understands the nuance and the underlying why it would work that Nico is suggesting. And so he would still be casting it with the right intentions and whatever to be able to make it a successful spell. Right. The right elocution. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Also, I've just been chewing on this uh, where is the saying from thing. And you have to be right that this is UK specific because we don't say have a break in the US. We say take a break. We take things, they have things. I much prefer the have. It feels much more, much less aggressive. (laughs) We like take naps and take showers and take breaks and everybody else just has them. And that feels so much more peaceful. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that seems like a very like microcosm of the uh, US way of thinking about the world. Which, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean... Even if the UK did colonize half the world at one point. <laughs> yeah, we took that and ran with it, though. So. Yeah, we sure <laughs> did. We really did. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then the last spell we get is just, there's nothing to see here. Which is definitely some sort of forgetting spell. But how much is, I think, a big question to me. Because like, I gotta get home and be like, where the fuck is my dog? Right. Or is he being a good come and be like, why don't this dog shit in my house? What's happening? Does Baz cast this on Simon's wings at the end of the book? Sorry, I need to check this really quick. Ooh, I do not remember. Uh, yes. So Baz uses this to hide Simon's wings. And Simon says he doesn't like it because people run into his wings all day. Whereas when Penny casts, these aren't the droids you're looking for. His wings are essentially gone for the time that the spell Mm. lasts. So what indications does that have for how this spell is going to affect this normal? It just seems like he wouldn't... I mean, I don't know. It seems like maybe it it sounds like he wouldn't see Baz and Nico and his own dog. But I don't know. 
it just seemed like he wasn't very he wasn't very frantic he like took out like a cigarette to be Mm -hmm. like i don't know okay no okay i think that makes sense then right because if if people run into simon all day when baz casts that spell on his wings it means that they what if it's not on the wings what if it's on the people essentially so they're Mm. not noticing Mm-hmm. the wings are there so it's like kind of a confusion spell sort of mm. so this dude would be like why am i outside suddenly it's like oh to have a cigarette and it's like yeah because if if the dog is the thing sort of that he's having that that spell is working on him in regards to then his brain is like skipping over the idea of the dog in that mm. moment i see yeah that makes sense and I do think that he's going to, at some point, be like, where the fuck is my dog? Because apparently those spells wear off. They wear off of Simon's wings. So. Yeah. That makes me sad. It is very sad. Yeah, and really ending on a low note today. I have a couple more things. Okay, cool, cool. I'm like, oh no, we're going to end so sad. Do you want to, well, none of my things are necessarily that happy. Uh, you want to talk about magical homelessness? Sure. I don't really, it just feels... It feels, it's a whole thing. I don't know. The idea of his family can't, I mean, they can't stay there because there's no magic there anymore. And we learned that that physically harms them. So they have all of this like wealth and power, but they are essentially made homeless by the removal of a resource. I don't know. It just feels like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. They can't even go back and like get any of their shit unless they like hire some normals to be like back up the house right yeah i mean and i was and i think i was like i was thinking about it a little bit because fiona has her own has her own flat and there's i mean they're rich there's probably other physical places they could be living that they own Mm -hmm. but it is definitely different if this is their ancestral home right you know and who knows what sort of advantages having an old like magical home provided for them outside of a cool place to live you know and to entertain and to like house all your fancy books and stuff yeah i think didn't penny say at some point your magic settles in a place and supports you yeah and we're not ever given any indication about whether or not magic will actually ever return to these dead spots no i guess that's true we just hear from that from penny's dad that that he thinks that it will yeah All right, so here's a question. Nico tells us that he can't get into Watford on his own. We saw him able to enter his parents' house, and he was surprised that he was able to. My question is, once you're turned into a vampire, do you have to be reinvited into all of the places that you were able to go when you were not a vampire? Interesting. I would either assume so... Just because so much vampire lore is about vampires have to be invited in. Or I wonder if there is just some sort of common warding that would keep a vampire out. Mm. Or maybe it like wouldn't have worked anywhere except for Nico's family house. Like he like he is a he is a vampire, but if it's a magical home, like the magic might still recognize him and if they were never like ward the place against him perhaps 
And it does also feel like whatever other magical protections Watford would have mean that he would just be able to like stroll in even if students can always come back to Watford, right? I assume so. Yeah, it I guess the it makes the most sense to assume that he was invited back into his family home sometime shortly after he became a vampire, maybe before they realized. Yeah. Cause otherwise if just if Baz could invite him to Watford, it's not like the wards are just keeping vampires out piecemeal, you know? Like Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's the whole the you know, the drawbridge and shit. Like maybe it's just like it needs to be down in order for me to like walk through. No, I think he means I think he means he needs an invite. That's fair. But I guess that means that you don't you don't get an automatic invite to places you've been invited pre vampirizing. Yeah. Okay. I don't have anything for us to end on a fun note. My last note is just numpties are weird and cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I do have some stuff to end on. Maybe not a light note, but a very a very peak me note, which is so there are living rocks that hibernate. So are they are they like crustaceans? Are they like coral? Are they sort of like weirdly reptilian? I just have so many questions about this. Yep, that's a really good question. Cause they've gotta be cold blooded, right? If they're mm-hmm. whole they're just powered by a desire to be kept warm externally. Right. Yeah, like they're hibernating and they're like yeah, we got bribed in order to stay warm. And I mean, I know that it doesn't get super hot in, like, London, except when it's not climate change. But, I mean, didn't Baz get kidnapped in, like, July or August or something? So even then, they were still too cold. Right. But they also live in, like, in a dank hole in the ground. Right. So. His question of, like, why do they live here is a really good question. Or at least be outside where you can get some sun. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, they're really interesting, aren't they? Like, the way that they talk and stuff, too, they're just so... I am very into the numpties. Despite their very ridiculous name. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, write in there if you have any theories about what sort of uh, animal numpties are. I would like to know. Yeah. Just thinking about the way that they talk. <laughs> they describe the mage as being soft, warm, wet spot on the pavement, green, your headstone. Which I think is funny because, of course, they wouldn't necessarily remember headmaster, but they're like, oh, headstone, that's a thing. That yeah. We know about. Yeah. Or maybe this King Numpty, maybe they call him the headstone. <laughs> But a bump. Oh my god. Incredible. <laughs> All right. All right. You know what? Let's just let's just end it there because it's been a heavy episode. Yeah, I think we're not there's not any other way to end, to end this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time we are talking about (laughs) draw it out while i find my note uh chapters 78 and 79 um also we forgot to remind you at the top that 
we will be spoiling everything from the next two books once we start talking about the next book. So you want to make sure that you've read both before the end of October, which is when we will be done talking about Carry On. Uh, this podcast, like all of our podcasts, is a creation of Hashtag Ruthless Productions and is produced, mixed, and edited by me. You should check us out on the internet. Uh, we are on Instagram and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. And you could also, we also have a website, uh, hashtag ruthless.com, which is where you can also find our merch. You can find episodes, all sorts of awesome things for you to look at on our website. And if you feel like supporting us financially, uh, we are found on patreon.com slash The Gaily Prophet. Yeah, you can also make a one-off donation on our website by clicking Make a Donation if you want to do that. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, I can be found on my website, which is larkmalachi.com, where you can get a tarot reading from me, or you can look at cute pictures of my dogs and art that I make on Instagram, where I'm at larkmalachi. You can find me on Instagram at live from detroit if you want to see videos and photos of whatever cat i'm currently fostering uh and you can follow me on twitter at uh, jesse underscore detroit our show art is by theo julian forrester and myself the music and our theme song is by kevin mcleod the rest of the music is bohemian rhapsody by queen and until next time scatamoosh nice (laughs) 